Today is Wednesday, February 10th, 2016. This is David Tarkington, and you're listening to the First Family Podcast, where we discuss where faith, family, and culture intersect. My guests today are Jason and Kimberly McGibbon uh, from the Hamilton Fellowships in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And uh, Jason is a uh, church planter, and he and his wife serve together there in ministry with their family. And uh, they're down here in Florida for a season, and so just wanted to take advantage of their time here and and welcome you to Florida. Thanks for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the church plant that, that you launched, the Hamilton Fellowships. Now, Hamilton, Ontario, um, while very familiar uh, to... Um, it is Ontario, correct? So yeah. I'm doing this right. So <laughs> yeah, speaking yeah. as an American, I'm trying to learn the geography. Uh, it's near Toronto. It's kind of, um, as I've driven by there and through there, uh, if you land in Buffalo, New York, and if you go through Niagara and you take the, uh, the, the road around the lake there towards Toronto, you will go b- beside or past Hamilton over there or through it at that room. time. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Refineries and steel. It's homes. wonderful yeah. as I look to the yeah. side. So we were talking earlier, Hamilton, just as a uh, kind of an understanding for those listening that may not be familiar with the area, um, for an American counterpart, would probably be uh, akin a lot to Pittsburgh or how Pittsburgh used to be uh, with the steel mills. Yeah, and- very much. It was steel town. You know, okay. it's still, uh, um, that's its sort of identity. It was the the industry, and so for years, but of course when the uh, steel industry took such a big hit, and uh, so did Hamilton, and so it was really put in a position of sort of needing to redefine itself, and so we've started to see that mm-hmm. uh, renaissance happening over the last few years, the last five in particular. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so a lot of really positive things challenges that come you know mm-hmm. along with that but we've really seen a, a growing and blossoming arts community uh, yeah. uh, a lot of the growth just to be honest is toronto is so expensive these days uh yeah. that uh, people are they want an urban center they want an urban feel they want a community uh like that and hamilton is the next thing you know around the lake that provides that so we're starting to see a lot of that but you know a lot of that it comes with the you know, revitalization, gentrification, and that the great things. So there's renaissance and revival. There's challenges too, you sure. know, with affordable housing and all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. So that's really where Hamilton is smack dab in the middle of that re-identifying itself. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when we've I've been there with you, and we've walked down you know, some of the streets there. I mean, you you just sense kind of a. Uh, some of these f- buildings that have been re- kind of rebirthed and, and, and redone uh, as either restaurants or coffee houses or places. Lots and, and yeah. Lots of coffee, <laughs> lots of good coffee. Um, now, Hamilton, um, you move, you and your family, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you, how you ended up in Hamilton and uh, initially. I know that's a, a pretty amazing personal story there, but... Yeah, so uh, so we've been living in the city now for five years, and uh, before that we had uh, helped to plant a church in a town called Milton, mm-hmm. and uh, before that we came out of Oakville, and so we were at a church plant in Oakville, uh, felt a call to go plant one in Milton, and then a, a number of years into that just started to sense that there was something next. We weren't sure what that was. Um, we started exploring, you know, discipleship. I just thought it would be stuff that we would bring into that church plant that we were doing. Um, but in the midst of that searching, um, our, our middle son, Liam, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Uh, and through a whole bunch of circumstances, it was um, a children's hospital that happened to be in Hamilton that he was sent to and referred to. And that's where he uh, 
he went in and uh, had a, a two surgeries. But it was through that process that sort of Hamilton was kind of put on our our radar and through yeah. through that he did a lot of work with the hospital um the following year um and some of their fundraising campaigns and stuff and was a poster child and stuff like that for them so um we just kept going back to yeah. hamilton and we started building relationships and so there's this searching that we were going through and then this relation new found relationship with hamilton and people within hamilton and, and finally we just kind of sensed we said that we wanted to be a church that planted other churches and uh one day we just realized well maybe we've just been waiting for the next person is supposed to be us <laughs> and so we so you said just, yourselves yeah <laughs> we okay. did so well we went and we said hey this is what we're we're feeling and uh that that church was really great um they were really supportive um really commissioned us to go out and supported us in a number of different ways uh mm-hmm. over those years and of course the relationships that we still have with it i mean they still support us uh that way relationally especially so uh yeah so that was about five years ago so we made our way into hamilton and have been living there for five years and then in the midst of that we've been we started a ministry sort of after a year of just getting a lay of the land and uh-huh. you know and uh the hamilton fellowships kind of grew out of that and we've been doing it for about four years now so. now yeah the name of your uh the plant uh the name is hamilton fellowships that's a plural fellowship so uh explain that a little bit because i think even in the title uh, of the name of of the ministry there is a, a, a statement there that this is more than just one location. I mean, it's intentional. So. Yeah, very intentional. Uh, the one thing we noticed about moving, we'd always been in the suburbs. Milton was a suburb. Oakville, I grew up in a suburb. Um, when we came to Hamilton, and uh, we moved into what they call the lower city, there's a, an escarpment or a mountain that goes through it, and it divides mm-hmm. it. The lower city, city really is the downtown core of Hamilton. Okay. And so we live just on the... the periphery of the downtown core so for the first time in an urban setting and we were just realizing that um that in that setting each of the neighborhoods really begins to take on its own unique identity and especially hamilton where it was changing so quickly you know even over the time we've been there we've seen neighborhoods totally transition and 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 become something different than they were before and so the idea of how do we start what do we want to start we we thought about starting much more relationally much more organically and we you know our, our church meets in our home every okay. sunday and our, our goal was then to to start a number of fellowships that would seep out across the city that would allow each of them to kind of reflect the community that they're in the neighborhood that they're in um or the pocket you know subculture whoever it is that you know that we're reaching out to right. in a particular area or time that we could grow something that really uh reaches out to that that pocket our the heart of what we do is to try to create opportunities to introduce the real jesus to people who for whatever reason would not engage in right. church that's out there we want to reach people who are disengaged with the gospel um, and so we wanted the flexibility to be able to do that differently in different neighborhoods. And so the idea of a network of smaller fellowships that meet in homes or, sure. or public spaces grew out of that. So your your initial or your main meeting group is still the one that meets in your home now, is that right? Yeah, that's okay. the biggest one that we have going for sure. And so we've been pushing up to... I don't know, like 30 needs, people in our It needs to leader. multiply. Uh, so it needs 30 to people is, in a home. That's tight. Our yeah. goal is to multiply that one out. Uh, <laughs> now, since I, we've started, a, you know, what we call the Beer Store Church, which I know in okay. the southern context. Is <laughs> Let's explain woo! that one because, uh, yeah, I shared that with our senior adults today. Uh, I was telling them, uh, I do a senior adult Bible study, and I, and I was giving them some deep theological teaching. I said, some of the theology you need to understand is that, one, Jews don't recognize Jesus as Messiah and right. 
Protestants don't recognize the Pope as the head of the church and Baptists don't recognize each other in the liquor store. So I use that story and, and you can, awesome. uh, that works really well in the South. And they laughed and they, they knew it to be true. So never mind. So I said, that reminds me of a friend of mine I'm meeting with today and, and we're talking about the beer store. And uh, so, and then I had to try to define, and, and you're going to need to do this for us Americans. We don't have the beer store. So that's a governmental right. kind of regulated thing, right? This is a really contextual ministry for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In Ontario, there's two things that you got to know to make it that yeah, all alcohol sales happen in either the liquor store yeah. or the beer store. Okay. And they're uh the liquor store is sort of state run, the beer store a little less so, but there's a lot of controls over it. And okay. so um it's starting to change. There's talk about being able to do it, you know, they've started selling some in like, you know, grocery stores or whatever, but for the most part it has been you have to buy it at one of those two states. It's a control issue, a taxing exactly, issue. Sure. Exactly. It's oh, all about tax, the money. It's all about, it's all about the yes, money. That's exactly it. Um, but it also means that the <clears throat> beer store uh, is also the place that you can return any empties. Okay. So whether it's from the liquor store or it's beer bottle cans or whatever, you can return those for a deposit to the beer store. All right. We also in, in Ontario have a, a pretty um, we have a recycling program just for your regular household trash. Mm-hmm. So we, we sort things out, and so there's green, which is you know compostable. Then there's recyclable, which we call the blue box because okay. there are blue boxes that go on your lawn, and then your trash. So for a lot of people, if they have one or two cans or they have one or two bottles, they're not going to drive halfway across the town. Right. to take that sure. back for 20 cents. So they end up just throwing it in their beer, in the in the blue box, the regular recycling. But for a lot of uh, guys across the city um, who are, you know, living below the poverty line, um, you know, less fortunate in our, in our communities, um, they kind of picked up on that. And so they'll go through and collect all, they'll look for the re- things that they can return for sure. deposit okay. through people's recycling. In our neighborhood, <clears throat> the... Uh, uh, garbage day is Monday, and we happen to have a beer store in our neighborhood, which means that a lot of people, you know, from across the city, they'll walk all the way across the city uh, to collect all night um, on a garbage night uh, through those blue boxes, and then they go to the beer store, and there's a group of them that line up there on a Monday morning and uh, waiting for the beer store to open. So we started with just bringing them sandwiches and coffee, uh, and then talking, and then we started praying with them, and now if it's a if everything works out, and we actually gather for prayer on the sidewalk outside of the beer store. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if I'm not breaking up fights, which I've had to do too. Yeah. So, uh, so someone nicknamed it the Beer Store Church, and it kind of stuck. You know, hey, it so works. We, we go with it. Yeah, yeah. it works. Uh, yeah. And I think even uh, your local news or the yeah. uh, maybe the Christian media there picked up on it. I yeah. saw some stories there. Yeah, both. So the local newspaper, yeah. uh, somebody called uh, and was impressed by it, and so... Someone who's not a part of our ministry, yeah. Yeah, just a community Glad member. somebody's doing something with these guys. One of those stories, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the newspaper came out and did a story. Through that, yeah, the, the local Christian. We don't have a lot across Canada. So the, right. the, the one Christian station <laughs> uh, picked up on it and did well, a story on it, too. So I think it's great. I mean, it, it, it when you call it the Beer Store Church, it obviously draws some attention. You know, yeah. Yeah. like we were talking earlier, we're doing the game day church. It kind of gets attention. It's just a unique name and a unique yeah. title. What is that all about? Absolutely. So at least it leads you into the conversation about the gospel and about why we do what we do. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. So that's a big win. Um, you, you had shared uh, over, uh, as we talked prior, about the um, the launching out and sending planners or supporting others. And you're, you're doing this. You're in the process of this with a, with another gentleman there in Hamilton, uh, 
and, and that's part of the vision for the fellowship. So, so yeah. give a little bit about uh, what... Absolutely. So we really privileged to get partnered up with a, a guy named Chandler and his wife, Maria. Uh, sharp guy. Um, and he had a really neat, unique relationship with a nonprofit co-op um, bike shop in the East End, so the far end of the city from us. Um, so we started working with him. He kind of joined in with what we were doing um, and came under as an apprentice and was working and is still working on uh, growing a ministry there. But uh, he was really functioning as a chaplain. His, his best friend is the CEO of this bike shop, and they just have... Uh, such a wide, you know, variety of people come through. Yeah. Cycling is really big in the city. Yeah. People bike all year through the winter, whatever. Bike. Yeah. You know, no, we're like, talking bicycles because some bicycles. areas bi- yeah, yeah. bike shops or motorcycles. No. <laughs> okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. We, we have a motorcycle church too in in our right, network. Right, and I so, uh, yeah, it's the Bring Bring. Okay. Picture Billy Herman riding his bicycle. <laughs> <mind. laughs> all right. Yeah, and so you know whether it's people who just love cycling who are going there to learn how to fix up their bikes, um, or you know it's in the east end of the town, and so there's lots of uh you know folks who are, are living under the poverty line so bikes bikes are a, a key Necessity. form of transportation yeah. for them so there was enough relationships that they started building through the bike shop that it made sense to just explore what would it look like to be really intentional about bringing discipling relationships into those teach people they yeah. say to be people mechanics and not just bike mechanics yeah, awesome. with an eternal perspective and so start and but he's a sharp guy and has the capacity to realize not only to just start something there, but to, to grow that into its own ministry. And so um, we just commissioned them last uh, last month. Um, they took one further step out of us. They still come out and hang out with us about once a month, but he's investing the rest of the time. So they've got a, uh, a monthly worship service that they do right in the bike shop. Yeah. Uh, he's got a number of discipling relationships and a small leadership team now that they're going, and they've just... Um, just launched two uh, weekly um, small group ministries out of that as well. So they're, you know, doing great work connecting with lots of people. And uh, so we're really excited. So our church kind of stepped up, you know, as we look for partners and we often have a conversation about the three P's, you know, that's how uh, we've been talking about it through San Toronto and that and people provision and prayer. And so um, we've been praying for them and, you know, we'll send people whenever they need it for an event that they're doing. And just, just this year, uh, our, our, uh, our team voted to to include them in our budget, so we're doing a little bit uh, as much as we can as a small small church ourselves. But uh, it's exciting them. because our church has mostly English as a second language. Okay. Um. So we have people from all over the world that have never, um, that haven't. A lot of them have never had any um, biblical understanding before they met us and right. become Christians. And so even our new friend Pierre. So he. Uh, is an Egyptian. He was an Egyptian Muslim, devout Muslim. Wow. Um, he accepted Jesus, uh, I guess, almost a month ago. Yeah, just about a month now, ago. Now and like he, he just gets very excited. Yeah, you know, everything is exciting for Pierre right now. You know, <laughs> and so he's like, "It is good, no." And so, and so it's just you know, everything is really, really exciting for him. And and so this is, um, I was just looking at a picture of us, you know, praying for Chandler and Maria last month and like and to see him in there he's right in there yeah. you know praying you're praying oh yeah pierre don't don't, <laughs> don't hang out with the wrong people yeah. stay excited right yeah, we, yeah, we don't like want to well, and, and to see that one of the first experiences he has with our corporate worship you know church is yeah. to see us sending out another church planter yeah. uh, see so. i think that we, we talk about this a lot as a as a pastor of, of what you was termed an established church or a legacy church you know our church has been around for decades and uh 
And so, but we we value church planning as as an essential uh, of launching and sending and, and sending out. And yet here here's Hamilton Fellowships that five years ish, not even five years. Yeah. You've yeah, been in Hamilton five years, yeah, okay, four. four years. And and you're saying, hey, from the get go, from the launch, we need to be thinking about sending and about launching. And so you're not, and we'll just, you're not at a place now where you're going, we don't need any more support. We're good to go. Yeah. You're still, <laughs> oh, oh, are you? Oh, you're doing, no, no, you're not. No. So no. Uh, you're, you're at a point going, you know, we still need support. We need prayer support. We need people support. We need provision. We need funding. And uh, because, it's, you know, it's just not available all the time. And yet in the midst of our need, we can't, I love it. It's not like, well, we'll just wait. And then when we get to a certain point, then we'll send. You're sending now. Yeah. Because you have to, mm-hmm. because we know this is the gospel. It has to do this. I don't think, uh, as I look through the book of Acts, I don't think we, uh, any one location was fully self-sustaining and saying, we've got it all covered, and now we're ready to go. I think it was, as we go, we were continuing to send and yeah. continuing to send yeah. and continuing and you know, to send. I think uh, that was modeled to us, Yeah. right? I mean, That's a DNA issue, then. Yeah, you, yeah you, you when we were at uh, the Sanctuary okay. Oakville, which is the right. first church plant that we just plugged into as lay people. Uh, they were sending, and boy, we, we saw God do lots of things, and we made a lot of mistakes, and we did a lot of things well. But, uh, but, but I mean, it's a part of yeah. the, the DNA, you know. It's just and giving think, yourself away, yeah. and not not being afraid to send people wherever, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and I think that's that that has happened over our four years in Hamilton is we have sent people all over the world because mm-hmm. we get these international students that are coming. They're wanting to learn English. We teach them the gospel. And then they go back. So you're getting. Uh, I, I know the the Greater Toronto area is is highly international, the most international area or city in the North America at all. I mean, even the United States and Canada combined. So, um, <clears throat> but Hamilton, um, the Greater Hamilton area. So let, right. talk about the the Greater Hamilton area. Um, there's a university there, obviously. There's uh, two uh, two universities. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. And, and then one college. Okay. Um, and, and, and the translation from university and college, it, it, Canada really has a, almost like the UK, very British in that yeah. sense of how things are designated. The US, we just interchange those terms all the time. College right. and university mean the same <laughs> yeah. thing. So I guess a, a university would be a four-year upper level school and a college would be more like our junior college or community colleges or yeah. right after high Traditionally, school. Traditionally, although it's all changing, right? I yeah. mean, like even the colleges are running post-grad. So now okay. it's backwards. A lot of people are going to university for an academic degree coming out. Oh, still no job. All right, let's go. Let's go. And there, so the co- the colleges are offering upper level, yeah. uh, you know, still in in, in practical mm. um, areas, but they're offering post grad, okay. you know, work mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But for all intents yeah. and purposes, yeah, sort of academic versus. Well, the well you mentioned college. it. The international. Uh, you're saying most English is a second language for mm-hmm. most of the folks coming to your yeah. fellowship. So we have so. like Venezuelan, um, South Korean, Chinese. Um, wow. Egyptian, yeah, Ghana, yeah. Uh, Vietnam. V- Vietnam, like yeah, it's everywhere. So the nations yeah. are there, and yeah. and some yeah. of them are going. Are, are are there some that will be going back to their home nation there? Yeah. So here's so, the deal: Hamilton Fellowships, like any any church mm-hmm. or church plant that says we want to reach the students mm-hmm. when those students are graduating or mm-hmm. they're finished, uh, they're, you're sending missionaries back home right. in a real so sense. So we have we have a large contingent um, in South Korea, and mm-hmm. so we've connected them all. So wow. even though they've come at different times connect them all on Facebook. We have like a Facebook group just yeah. for them and they help one another when they go back to find a oh, church that's that's and all that kind of stuff. And so that's really fun. And Jay, like each week he sends them stuff and 
think about this and that kind of stuff, <laughs> just yeah. to keep them yeah, moving I, along. You may you have know? to pasture them from a distance in the season that they're right. in there, depending yeah. on where they go. Yeah, yeah, and trying to help them connect with something over there. But in the meantime, you know, we'll sure. fill yeah. the gap the best we can. That's good. So, yeah. yeah, that's good. Hey, let's um, let's shift a little bit. Uh, man, that's great. And and by the way, if you're listening and you're wanting to know more how to sponsor uh, any of the the church plants in the San Toronto area, but especially the the fellowships, uh, Hamilton fellowships, we'll, we'll give you a website or a Facebook page at the end. So listen to the end. We'll give you that contact info. You can find out more information. Uh, Jason, you, uh, and your family, uh, the arts are really a part of your life, uh, for all of you. And, uh, you are, um, trained, uh, gifted as a musician, um, worship leader, pastor, speaker, but, but here's, here's the conversation I'd like to at least briefly talk about. We talk about the arts. We talk about, um, uh, obviously, we're talking about uh, artistic endeavors, like the painting, sculpting, um, drawing. Uh, then you got music, and then you have uh, maybe even dance. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. madness. I've even I've talked about beer, and now I'm talking about dancing. We we had we are blowing your show. Oh my goodness! Yeah, we had we had uh, we had dance is Canadians. We had dancers uh, at at a Christmas uh, Eve service here, and uh, some of our young ladies uh, in a local dance uh, troupe there at a, at a school we partner with. So yeah, kind of. Kind of sh- shook everybody up. It was good. They yeah. did a great job. That's good. Uh, interpretive, interpretive dance, I guess yeah. it would. Uh, so, but then um, just the arts in general. Um, it is very much a part of who you are. It's very much a part of your church and, and just your your identity. You can't not be artistic because that's your giftedness. That's how God has wired you. Uh, but there is a sense, it seems to me, that, that many churches have either um, pushed away uh, or, or the artists have pushed away from the church. Maybe there's a little bit of both, uh, like these two worlds that can they coexist? Church history, of course, we've had these issues and, and yeah. conversations. And then um, I just want you to speak into that a little bit. What are, what are your thoughts on the arts and church, the arts and worship, uh, reaching the arts community? You're talking about the transition in Hamilton where there are uh, really uh, kind of an artist community that's that's developing and growing there. And, and the traditional church may struggle with that, but what are your thoughts on that? Why, why do you think that is, and what do you think the value of, of incorporating that in the local church would be? Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're right. There is a, a disconnect, and I definitely sense it uh, as you hang out with more artists. You know, my daughter doing acting, and, and my wife especially get to spend a lot of time on movie sets or television sets, and uh, they'll be the first to tell you there's a huge disconnect between that that color. I mean, that's a whole culture that happens yeah. on a TV set, and yeah. and uh, just completely different. You know, I, I think the saddest thing that, that Kim will tell you is that um, when she's talking with them, she'll get comments like, "I can't believe you're you're talking with me," and she'd be, "Well, why wouldn't I talk?" Well, you're you're a Christian. Yeah, you know? we thought you hated us. Yeah, and. Uh, I mean, I think that that breaks our heart, you know. Um, I'm not the church historian. I kind of blew those courses off. <laughs> so, I mean, I know there's some, you know, there's some theological things. There's some historical things about the separation. I, I can tell you, though, now uh, with the artists that we hang out, but this isn't different than any other community, mm-hmm. especially where we are. Um, it's not that there was never churches in Canada, you know. It's not... Uh, um, but, you know, in the 60s, are, we kind of had this thing called the Quiet Revolution where, you know, Canadians, like they do very quietly, and they, they vote with their feet and just kind of walked away from the church. Okay. Um, so uh, there's a disconnect between Canadian culture 
you know, and the church. And, uh, and so the interesting part now, though, is that we, we're not far enough away that there's no remembrance of the church at all. It's a really vague notion, you know, in, in our collective conscious, consciousness. But when you talk with people... And this is where those conversations on the set is. And you ask them what they think about Jesus or the church. Or you ask them about their experiences. Uh, we're now we're at a place where a lot of the younger ones especially really have no idea what the gospel is or says. And so we'll have notions like, you know, Christians just hate us because we're artists. You right. know? And right. um, they do. The arts communities tend to be more liberal. Uh, they tend to be more, you know, so there's some disconnects there. Um, the politics thing, we really do our best to avoid po conversations of politics because we just know right. that artists are going to be in a different <clears throat> place and that's not the place to start. And so when you see on TV, you know, church is this, we have these messages, these are the people that we hate and this is how we vote. Right. Then artists just can see that and go, well, that that's not me. I'm everybody you hate. Exactly. That's what they're thinking. Yeah. Exactly what they're thinking. Yeah. Um, but it's sad because I, I think that the arts can bring something really incredible into uh, um, the church. Uh, and you look at what, what the arts are, and, uh, I mean, if we really believe that God, the God we worship is the creator of the universe, mm -hmm. then you can't help but say he was creative. Right. And so... When you get to hang out with artists and you see the creative process and the thought behind it, you can see in small people living in imitation mm -hmm. of one of the greatest traits of God, right? And I think as an artist, you know, I, I try to do that myself. I just, that's a part of how the arts become worship, right? Yeah. And I think you asked a little bit about the arts in worship. Um, I'm not the best person to ask that. I mean, we meet in a living room, so we, we keep things kind of <laughs> low key. You know, we rent a facility and we'll do a service and we do, we bring the arts in. We have music, we bring in drama, we try to bring in some of the elements of the people within our community. Right. Uh, dance is going to be next. You know, I want to see dance happen at our thing. But our main focus is sort of is a discipleship focus in a small group setting each week. It's trying to disciple the, and, and for the artists mm -hmm. to say, you are creative. This is how God has created you. As you learn about worship in the sense of off your bodies as living sacrifice, you know, this holistic right. lifestyle worship, what does it mean to offer the arts as worship? And it doesn't mean you have to paint crosses or only write worship songs, <laughs> yeah, right. right? But right. when I'm painting, is this a part of the worship? Am I responding to who God has made me to be, but also the things that I see? And so that's a huge part, just living in imitation of the creator God is mm -hmm. going to be a part of our worship. And we can learn a lot from watching that, that creative process. I think the other thing, too, that the arts offer is a real prophetic voice. Uh, artists tend to look at what's going on around them and comment, you know, yeah. and, and whether that's the lyrics that they, whether it's a, a political lyric or it's responding to the brokenness of the world or it's in celebration of something. Uh, a love, if God created love, you know, the church always wants to talk about marriage, you know, we it's a one woman, one, you know, man, and that's the only time we ever talk about marriage. But we say, how about just this whole love thing that God has created, which includes that romantic relationship of a man and woman. So when we write a love song, that's in a response to something that God has created that's, that's amazing. That's right? Good. We can worship that. And so it's, um, 
I, I tend to see worship and in, in growing in the, in the bigger picture, you know. Um, so whether it's celebrating something good that we see around us or it's challenging us about something that's broken in the world and helping us see it differently, the arts can bring a real prophetic voice in a way that, uh, you know, just another sermon. Hey, man, I'm a preacher too, but another sermon gets us to, it gets us to look at something a little bit different. Yeah. And so there's some big things that we miss when, we, when, we're, when we're not engaging with the arts community, I think. Uh, and those are only two, you know, but... Uh, I think from a, uh, I see a sense, you know, uh, I remember in school, you know, um, I had to make a choice. I had, to, I could take this class or I could continue. My art teacher was saying, I want you to stay in this art class. Uh, and I kind of, so I had to make a choice to my right brain or my left brain. You know, I kind of had, oh gosh, well, I need this one. I need this one. And, um, and so, you know, sketching and, and drawing, that was kind of my, my out. I mean, that's what I, I just did. And I, and unfortunately I haven't done that nearly as much. And I find that often, uh, in that whole right brain world, you know, it, it's le- it's less structured. Um, and 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 as a church, as a pastor, as a structure of organized religion, you know, people say I hate organized religion. I always invite them here. I said we're very disorganized. <laughs> you love it here. It's great. Yeah. Uh, and that's a little right brain coming through, I guess. But I, I um, there is that sense of you know, you, it's it's almost a fear. You know, art artists and you know, where do they fit? What is that? Where does this fit into the? I don't have a box for this, you know. Where, where does this go into the worship service? Well, we only do the music up front, right? And then we do the preaching. Uh, uh, is that necessary? I mean, so you, we're missing out on so much. And then there was this season of, well, everybody's doing drama, right? Everybody's going to do a sketch or something, and and it almost became gimmicky, and and it, and it may have added or not. And so I don't. I think the church still struggles with. Um, this sounds so weird. A natural flow of, of of being artistic and celebrating that without having to departmentalize it, right? Yeah. Now we have our arts ministry. So if you're in the arts ministry, we meet on Wednesdays at seven o'clock, and you get to do art stuff, artsy stuff. But we don't do that any other time. So, uh, and that's what you know. And everybody's wired differently. Not everybody. You know, we have engineers in our church, and they would go, "I'm all left brain, not right brain." You know, they're not. And so, um, so you got this. But I, I see this wonderful creativity. That our my generations pastor Dave and I were talking today about just hey we got this theme we're doing man if we could get all, he even said this if we could get all the right brainers in a room together uh, may not get anything accomplished but <laughs> if we could come up with a a theme and, and a sketch and a backdrop and you know it, and then it would utilize giftedness uh, towards a bigger story yeah. and celebrate the unique creativity that God has given those made in His image for His image for His sake so I mean I I think. I'm right with you. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm envious because I'm going, man, I just don't have the artistic ability like that. But the church needs to embrace this. But I don't know that we can embrace it and then put it in a box. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, I mean, it's all about relationships, right? Like yeah. in our family, like there's six of us in our family and three are very creative. Like Liam and TJ and Jay are just creative. They have, God just wired them that way. They yeah. have to create. And... Three of us, not so much. Yeah. And so we've learned as a family, right, to connect with one another. I love watching you laugh on this. This is so nice. She has to manage all of us. Like, so, you know, man. connect with one another and um, <laughs> and encourage one another. And That's so positive. You're sounding really good. No, this is good. It's, 
No, it's true, it's though. It's true, right? It's true. And they they have to learn how to encourage us in the things like planning and making lists and yeah. and that kind of stuff, yeah. right? Well, and, you know, we've, we've all, most of us at any kind of marriage conference, we go, we've seen the five love languages of Gary Chapman, yeah. and everybody's wired differently. You speak a different language. Yeah. Right brain, left brain, artistic, not artistic, detail-oriented, right. you know, uh, you know, I've got one of my staff who say the meeting's at 8 o'clock. I know I'll see her at 8.15, 8.30 right. whenever it shows up. You know, it's like, hey, whatever. Yeah. So, um, but the uniqueness of each individual. Yeah. Uh, either mean, celebrate it or we're going to be totally frustrated the rest of our life trying to work with each other. Right. And that's life, right? Yeah. That, that's church life, too. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I mean, there's always a tension. And I'll, I'll be honest, like, just speaking honestly, as an, as an artist... I still feel this even in my own church, you know, the tension about what do you do with the art? Uh, and those of us in the church world tend to think, well, how do we use this in our worship service? Right. You know, we want the back. And so, you know, and we experiment with that. We do. We try to bring that into our service. What I'm most interested, though, is how do we disciple and equip them? to go out and beyond like yeah and this is the church planter part of me as opposed to being in an established church for a long time right it's how do we encourage them and how does church become a place where they're learning uh-huh. that they're sharpening one another that they're being discipled so that when they go out they can have the greatest impact yeah. uh, and that's the thing you know my daughter's being an actor has been done both <coughs> faith-based films and you know uh, non-faith-based things um, and so it's the, the faith-based one is a really interesting one because you tend to think, or people tend to think, some of those involved in creating the film, but also the general public tend to think, you know, church public tend to think of it as the final product. Yeah. That our mission is that we're going to have a film with a great Christian message in it, and that's going to go out, and whoever sees it, that's mission. Well, I don't think we can... That would be easy, <laughs> if a movie could do our evangelism for us, oh, yeah. that would be really easy. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't, right? right? It, it's meant to uh, entertain, it's meant to encourage, it's meant to uplift. Uh, if it can start a conversation with someone, yeah. that's great, but right. you've got to be there for the conversation. Right. But the fact is that for the most part, the only people who go to Christian or faith-based films are Christians. Right. Yeah. So the mission opportunity is not necessarily the finished product. But the relationships that we get to build through the process, you know, um, when there's cast and crew who are there who aren't. Are you telling me that everybody that works on a faith-based Christian film, which, by the way, Christian film, I always say, how can a movie go to heaven? I don't think it's a Christian. Yeah, it's just, anyway, so I'm with you. are you telling me that everybody there is not a Christian? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think some are. <laughs> okay. I <laughs> you know, hope so. And, yeah. you know, and I know that there's some churches that produce sure. movies, and yeah. so oh, that right. they probably do. Yeah. Uh, I can only say that the one that we've worked on, not it every, wasn't. Not everybody's and it was a believer. done in, yeah. in Canada. Sure. So, yeah. What an opportunity for us. And yeah, so not everybody on that. And, and when we do a non-faith-based one, <laughs> then for then, sure, that, that's not a requirement. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, people say to me, oh, how do, you, how do you know what to let TJ do? Um, well, let, me, let me pause yeah. and then we'll get to yeah. this because now we're already entering into the story and I think this is good. TJ, you have uh, four children. Yes. You have Daniel, and Caroline, mm-hmm. Liam, and TJ. And you mentioned Liam earlier. Liam yeah. was really the catalyst God used to move you to Hamilton uh, yeah. and then mm-hmm. used his story in, in some amazing ways. And I think there's a video on our mission board site of that yeah, even, is. so yeah. I've seen that. Uh, Daniel's in his early 20s. Caroline is uh, uh, late teens, early uh, 17, I think, almost 18. Yeah. And then here's TJ, uh, 
and TJ's your youngest, and and TJ is, and you've referenced this already. She's an actress. She's been in um, a number of films. Yes, you can go to imdb.com and search <laughs> TJ McGiven. You will find her there, and she will mail you an autograph. So that's how that works. Make maybe get you out of a traffic ticket or something. I don't, I don't want to know. say that story ever happened, but we could just throw the border. That out there. That's all. I know. It might happen. Um, but TJ is ten. She has done. Uh, I'm not going to go through everything she's done because right now somebody's looking up IMDb and reading it themselves. But she's been in a few movies, and mostly small budget. Uh, I know uh, one of the Hallmark Channel films, uh, yeah. Christmas at Cartwrights. I know that one because every year we're watching every Christmas show on the Hallmark Channel, I think, over and over. And that one came up, and I go, and my wife would go, hey, there there you are, fanboy. There she is. She's right there on the TV again. I went, yep, yeah. there's DJ. And, uh, and she did some voice work for some animated uh, shows. Yeah, and. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then most recently, um, and this is just kind of a cool story. So she's in this world making movies and, and being encouraged and invited to make other movies and, and, and audition for that. And she was in the recent faith-based film that you referenced. You actually did some some music for the soundtrack for The Masked Saint, yep. yes. which uh, opened not not quite a month ago, just a few weeks ago here nationally uh, in a limited opening and in, in other cities now. Um, and that is a that is a faith based what we would consider a Christian film about a, a pastor who was a professional wrestler. Yeah. So there's that you know which know. is pretty. Florida boy, Florida boy. It, Florida it's a Florida boy. guy, yeah. and, and and just that's just so you know, that's not that unique. Most every pastor I know was at one point a professional wrestler. <laughs> so I, I guess in Canada that's not the case, but down here that we all do that. And uh, or those are really just those are just deacons meetings. That's what we're wrestling. <laughs> but uh, so she was in that, and uh, and that was a big. That was good. That looked like a lot of fun. I've not, I've yet to see the film, but I know I've I've seen a lot of posts and seen the trailer about that. And and then she is, here's the big one, right? So she's in the new X Men Apocalypse film that's coming out. So uh, people that may not have ever heard of the Mass Saint may have heard of X Men. Yeah. It's it's a bit of a maybe. of a franchise, maybe. right? If they've heard of the Mass Saint, maybe they don't know the X Men. Well, there a lot is of that. The people who don't know the Mass Saint are familiar with X Men. Those are two different audiences, right? So. Yeah. Uh, so now you you were talking, and I hate, I didn't want to interrupt you. But I want to bring that up to speed where people know. Okay, here's T.J. McGibbon, who is uh, uh, living in Hamilton. Yeah, um, and she's ten. And she's ten years old, <laughs> and uh, so she she's making movies and and, and television uh, and, and work on television, and yet. Uh, she's a pastor's kid, and and she's uh, she's an introvert, right? Yeah, not quite. <laughs> I don't know where she got there. Off the scale, yeah, the other way. Yeah, I am an introvert. You're the I introvert. Very clearly, that girl is not. An That's introvert. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I'll talk a little about uh, maybe Kim. Well, you yeah. can, you can share. You know, you yeah, you're not sending her off to movie sets by herself. No. Okay. No. So there's this story. The whole family's incorporated into this, and you're doing these films, and and it's. Um, you know, there are a lot of people in movies and on these a lot of X-Men or others like that. There's probably not a lot of believers on the set. And so here you are. And, uh, you know, what are you guys doing with this little girl? What, what's happening to this story? Yeah. So, yeah. So TJ, uh, I mean, she started to read really young. And the she, reason she wanted to read was to read uh, scripts. Mommy, uh-huh. I want to read scripts. You, you haven't taught me how to read. I'd say, you're, <laughs> you're not even four years old. You you need to, <laughs> you know, give me a break here. And so, anyway, so she learned to read uh, before she was five, and then when she was five, we finally. I think I think Jay actually said to me, "She's going to drive this bus. The bus is leaving the station, and so we better drive it, like, <laughs> yeah. so that we're not trying to catch up to it." And so, um, she she just has this. She loves people. 
She yeah. just loves people all the time. And she loves stories and she loves being creative. And um, so, yeah, when she was five, we finally let her um, audition for things. And uh, when she was seven, she got her first um, ABC show. And I think I learned a lot on that one. Um, and, uh, yeah, people ask me, how, how do you decide what what she gets to do? And most of the time, we don't let her do anything without reading the whole script. And sometimes it's not about what's in the script. Um, it's about um, what what is the mission opportunity oh, that's good. here. And yeah. so, and so it, how Jay was saying, like, it's not necessarily the finished product, right. but what happens? So X-Men, um, they it's actually filmed in Montreal. Okay. And so Montreal in Canada is considered, uh, the French-speaking people are considered an unreached people group. Yeah. And I knew that the cast and crew would all be French. So TJ and I go to Montreal without reading. (laughs) We're not allowed to read the script because it's all... That's not a script. They're going to send you the full product. No. No. It came to us for the fake name, fake script, all the auditions, oh, yeah. scripts are fake. Like, yeah. They just yeah. wrote stuff for an audition. Hugh Jackman right delivered there. it, I hear. Yeah. 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 Was, he, was he on the front porch yeah. with, his, so, with his Wolverine? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you, you don't get Signed to know a lot. Blood, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and so, but, you know, uh, it was an amazing opportunity. I got to pray right on set with everybody there. Um, and uh, TJ was there inviting people to the church plant that we were attending while we were there. Wow. Because we had to stay there for a few weeks, and, you know, she's going, oh, you should come. And so, you know, but TJ invites everyone. Right. Everywhere. Right. TJ is, she, her favorite church is Beer Star Church. She goes with Jay, and she loves those guys. And then she loves movie sets. Yeah. She loves all the people. She learns all their names. You know, everybody from, you know, uh, like the guy who so- holds, like, the mic like the boom pole, like, like everybody to like other, you know, people that she's working with. And she just, you know, she asked people, I mean, she's 10. Right. And so I remember when she was seven and she was on a set and one of the producers and he was Jewish Mm -hmm. and he said, she said, you know, she said, well, do you go to church? And he (laughs) said, no, (laughs) I'm Jewish. And she said, oh, did you know Jesus is Jewish? That's hilarious. And so, you know, and I'm just like, I'll just let her go. What are you going to do? You know, and so he said, well, I've heard that. (laughs) And so uh, he said, he said, well, no, you know, I'm I'm Jewish. And so she said, well, uh, she said, but uh, she said, so how come you became Jewish? And so he said, well, She was seven at the time, right? Yeah. Wow. How come you became Jewish? But she, she really wants to know people's stories. It's an stories. honest stor- question. It's yeah. an honest question. She loves people's stories. She wants to know about them. It's amazing how people will talk to a seven-year-old with honest questions that they may not yeah. talk to you or me, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, and he said to me... I just flash a look and... No. <laughs> I can't believe you just asked me a question I'd never thought about. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, and that's what he said. You know, He said, well, I... You know, my parents were Jewish. She said, yeah, I know. But at some point, you yeah, had to decide Jewish. to be Jewish. Wow. And so he <laughs> he told me, he said, I've never met anybody like her. Like, he said, I had to think about that. That's good. You know? And so that's why she's there. It's um, because she loves people. And she, her, her thing, and she tells us, she tells me all the time, you know, we pray before we go on set. And she'll say, okay, mom, so we need to go and we need to be ambassadors because people either don't know that Jesus loves them, or they've forgotten. Wow. So that's why we're there. That's why you're there. So, um, and wow. she considers that her, her mission field. So I don't know. I mean, she's 10. I don't know if that'll change. And we see God do crazy things. Yeah. Like the last film. So, I mean, she goes from the X-Men, you know, small part in that mm-hmm. one. But, you know, uh, the last one she did was a student film. 
where this uh, film school, Ryerson University, does a film yeah, yeah. Right, in downtown Toronto. And so a script came through and, you know, would we consider doing it? And yeah. so absolutely, if it's a good story, you know, we want to read it and, and encourage younger people. And so it came and TJ got to go on on set. And this so it's these kids, you know, these university kids, it's their thesis project. But, I mean, they're just giddy to be making a film. Oh, yeah. They're just yeah. so excited. And so, um, but here they are. So they're artists. They've been going through training. They've been doing it. This is their final year. They've mm-hmm. been doing it for years. So... As much as it pains me to admit, I'm old now, and so they really are kids. This is the young generation. So in Canadian terms, likely these kids have not grown up with any church right. experience, right? Mm-hmm. They Again, it's this sort of vague notion in our collective conscience in Canada, but they don't know what the story is. Right. They don't know what the real gospel is, and they've never actually experienced things themselves. And so here Kim is on set, um, and for some reason in this set, they would ask him questions. Oh, because they filmed over a weekend and, and two things. I had a birthday and I had an art show. So then they were like, well, we got it finished by this time on this day, Kim said. And then, you know, the next time it was church was Sunday. So we have to be at church and we can do work around that. So uh-huh. the, they just brought up natural questions and the conversations that Kim was able to have. I yeah. think she'd come back at the end of the day and it was like over a, you know, five day shoot. I think you could tell me 10 conversations that you had where you really not just flipping hey this is what church is but really deep conversations about what the nature of the gospel is who jesus is why we believe Mm -hmm. you know get to engage with their misconceptions and and to hear things like the jesus you're talking about i've never heard that before right and and so that's you know that's why we're on the set that's how we want to use the arts god made us creative this is just who we are you know, but we're yeah. we're also followers who want to live our lives on mission, and this is the place where those two things uh, interconnect. And so God does something crazy, like the, they're downtown Toronto. So one of this, they they needed a classroom setting, so they rent a room in Jarvis Collegiate, which is a downtown <laughs> high school. Okay. Well, so they're shooting on a Saturday. We meet Sunday nights, so they could shoot Sunday morning, and they would still be home for church. Well. One of our church plants rents the gymnasium of Jarvis Collegiate. Jarvis. Oh, okay. To yeah. do their church plant, wow. Trinity Life. Yeah, downtown, yeah. Daniel, Daniel and, and uh, Mike yeah. and Mike Seaman uh, doing a great work downtown. And so they're they're sitting there on set. Kim gets to go and visit them at the <laughs> church plant in between the takes, and then it's just the natural conversation. Yeah. Who are those guys? What are they doing? What Why they, do you know them? What like they like. That music or whatever. That's like, good what music. Is, that's they good sing, music. What yeah, is that? Yeah. You know, and so then I got to share with them and, yeah. and talk about... And I they have some artists in their church. Right. You know, that and be, so yeah. those guys were able to come over and meet them and share and talk and engage on, on a level, you know... About you can't organize things. You can't plan no. that well. This is a God thing. You know, he, totally he puts us thing. in the story. Uh, and as you're sharing these things, this is the biggest challenge, in, in, especially in the States, I think, and where Christianity, we're notice, we know we know the numbers are telling us that 60% of teenagers or children who grow up in a church, evangelical church in the States, are leaving at graduation and not coming back. At least we haven't seen it yet. And so we, we're watching this hemorrhaging happening, right? But we're celebrating mega churches, which really... Are, are doing great, and I'm not against mega churches, right? Yeah. Um, but but it isn't maybe it may not be really organic growth. It may just be a lot of uh, dying small churches and everybody going together for a little bit. I don't know what's happening there. Yeah. Um, but to lead, this has been something we've been trying to, and it's hard to change your DNA. 
Mm-hmm. In fact, it may be impossible, but we're trying to instill within our DNA here at this church that there are some things that we used to count as wins that really aren't wins. Mm-hmm. And so what is a win? And, and, and what is a victory? Uh, and so we've challenged for years, and, and, I, and I'm so encouraged to hear what you're saying, because I think what TJ is showing is that, she, she, you know, I, I'm echoing back, she asked the gentleman, so when did you decide to become a Jew, right? Yeah. And he's like, ah, that wasn't a decision, it just was who I am, right? right. And so, but in her case, uh, if I were to ask her, I said, okay, so when did you decide to become missional? And she was so I didn't really, it just kind of came natural. Why? Because that's where the family you grew up in. And at some point you had to make a decision though. And she did through her personality, through her being an extrovert, being gifted as an actress and being able to pick up and read at such a young age. And just uh, what you're saying is echoing what our mutual friends, Andrew and Brett and others have said that she just lights up a room because she, you know, she just loves people. It just is an attractional personality. People like hanging out. You know, I told our, our group this morning, I said, you ever known a person? Walks in a room and everybody knows they're there and you're actually glad they're there, <laughs> right? Because yeah. we all know people that walk in a room and everybody knows it and they're like, I'm really not so happy. It's not such a big deal. And so I said, she kind of just, yeah, we're glad. Yeah, she just yeah. makes everybody see happy things. So, yeah. um, yeah, she's been on set before where there's been other kids and she's the only one that gets invited to like the cast party. Yeah, they don't like the other kids. They don't, yeah, yeah. I know you know, that. but she knows everybody and she has yeah, yeah. and she remembers, you know, she asks them about their families. Hey, t- tell me this story. Somebody was telling me this and it may mm-hmm. so they may have got it right. I think she was on a, in a film with Christopher Plummer. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. And and was just uh uh, was asking you about wanting to go over to the trailer, hang out with Chris, or oh, something like well, that. She, what was the it deal was actually that? so she was in a movie um, that she can't see because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's called Remember, and I think it comes out here in the states soon. It's already come out in Canada. Oh, okay. um, uh, but it, yeah, so it was Christopher Plummer and Martin Landau, oh, and uh, okay. she just is a small part, and she took it because she, her scene was with the two of them. Oh yeah, it was just her and the two of them. Wow. So her and I got to go, and so she. Uh, in between takes, would just ask um, Martin Landa all these questions, like, what was it like growing up in New York or in L.A.? And I heard you had a school in L.A. And and so he would say, bring me that little girl. (laughs) And so she would sit at his feet in between takes, you know, and just ask him all these questions about himself. And, I uh, wish I'd have known that you'd you know. done that because I would have just sat with her and go, "Would you tell me when you were on Mission Impossible? I really want to know about this scene <laughs> and when you dressed up like when you were Bella Lugosi in that movie." I want to. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Never mind. So she, yeah. did, Martin and Landau, he was, just he really, was really cool. He, yeah. he loved it. He, he would, loved it. He would talk. Uh, there was him and Christopher Plummer. So I mean, you're getting to work with two like icons. those are icons, yeah. And to see their process. So for her, I mean, it's big learning. Education. She doesn't sure. know it. She but she but she notices She's... enough to say they were different. You know, yeah. they had different approaches to it. And so yeah, yeah and and so Martin Landau was, but yeah, he was like, bring me the little girl. Bring me the little girl. She would just pepper him with you know, just on it. She was just being her. Like yeah. And, she does ask a lot of questions. Like when she was when she was really young, I used to phone my mom and just say, Mom. Like, I cannot answer <laughs> another question today. Like, I just can't. And, uh, and so she does. She talk, Sometimes she talks to Suri on her iPad on her and, phone? Oh, yeah. you know, and sees what kind of things she can get out of Suri, Suri oh, yeah. when the rest of us are just, we're done for the day. You know? <laughs> the greatest invention of, <laughs> yeah. of Steve Jobs before uh-huh. he passed was to invent Siri so that yeah. your daughter would have someone to talk That's to. That's right. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. we, I mean, our house is crazy. We have, yeah. you know, um, we have guys that are, you know, recyclers that, come to our back door and they'll yeah. knock for coffee or whatever. So our house is, is always has people, and we are not enough people for her. We're just not enough. Sure. 
And True. so, you know, she sees somebody outside. She's like, oh, there's so Where are we going? She just runs and runs. Yeah. Well, you've been given a gift. I mean, this with her, I mean, you're still there. I mean, you're not living in Hollywood. I mean, it's it, you're still church planners, and you're yeah. still mom and dad, and you got, yeah. oh, by the way, you still have three other children. And yeah. so you're raising, it's a whole family, and and, uh, and and she's not the only child, and, and, and there's so much giftedness, uh, you know, with, with the others as well that you've shared. So, man, each of them brings a lot to the table, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot to, to parent there, I'm sure. Yeah. So, and, and even just as a church planter, as a married couple, as parents, <laughs> uh, hey, life's easy. No worries, right? So uh, <laughs> it's the continual challenges of that. But uh, during this season, while you know she has that window of opportunity, because yeah. you know, we all know that many child actors, they don't remain in the industry. You know, we don't know. She might, who knows, but we know right now she's been given open opportunities and she's taking advantage of that. And and it puts you in those positions too, where you, yeah, yeah, you got, you get to be there and and also speak into that. And that's, that's pretty incredible. And, uh, so, uh, you know, um, we're about out of time and I I could, we could talk for hours, which I think we just did. We may have. So, uh, but let me, uh, let me leave folks with some information here. Um, Jason McGibbon is on um, Facebook. You can find him there. But here's where you need to go for Hamilton Fellowships. Um, the website is Hamilton Fellowships. That's with an S on the end. dot com. So go there, and uh, you can also uh, you can follow Jason on Twitter. Jason underscore McGibbon. That's M C G I B B O N. And uh, or also the Hamilton Fellowships, TH Fellowships on Twitter. Those are some good places there. There's a Facebook link as well. You can just do a search for that. I think all that's linked on the website. But let me just encourage you, if you're listening, uh, we talk about all that's going on in Hamilton, all that's going on with the McGibbons and this this ministry and this expansion. And then we talked about TJ and this and that and the other. Uh, this is a church plant that is planting, but... Uh, is we laughed about it earlier uh still needs uh partners and and if you're in an established church and and you are a church that is centered on the gospel and and, and in, intentional and strategic about partnering with others i know that you have i think two churches here in the jacksonville area that are strategic partners with you mm-hmm. um that's Murray Hill Baptist Church with Pastor Doug Axtell and uh, San Jose Baptist Church with Pastor yeah, Mike Reed. Great, great, great guys, great churches, uh, kingdom-minded and engaged in, in Toronto, bringing you guys down here, really partnering in that way. But uh, as with all church plants um, and, and really all kingdom work, we know we're better together than we are alone. And yeah, so um, you, you need more partners and, uh, and more support and, and just more intentionality. So if you're interested or you have questions about that, you can always email me or contact me, or you can go directly to Jason through those, uh, contact, that contact information I gave you there. Hey guys, thank you for taking the time today. I know we, we we've talked a lot, but it's a lot of fun. We could we could keep talking and keep talking, and yeah, maybe we'll do volume two one of these days, yeah. right? Thanks. Absolutely, yeah. no, it's been a blast. Thanks All for having right. us. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, again, folks, uh, be sure to check them out online. Uh, this is David Tarkington. You can uh, follow me at davidtarkington.com. Uh, go to my Twitter account, which is uh, David Tark, and uh, love to hear more about uh, what's going on in your life. So send me a message as well. We can talk more. Thanks.